0: If you are a follower of Jesus, you need to be baptized. And if you haven't, I hope at the end of the day, today, you are going to be persuaded that you need to be baptized. Because today is Baptism Sunday, I decided to devote the message to this topic today Uh, Our current series, Epic, Great God, Great Stories, has been intended to uh, look at some of the fascinating stories in the Old Testament, but today I'm expanding it to include the New Testament and this story uh, from the New Testament that is quite epic, the story of the baptism of Jesus that's found in Matthew 3, 13 through 17, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. At the time of this event that we're going to read about, Jesus is probably about 30 years old, and he is getting ready to start his public ministry. John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, the one who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, John had been preaching a message of repentance and announcing that the kingdom of heaven had come near. He was proclaiming that Jesus was here and Jesus was bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And as John would preach this message, people would recognize their need of repentance, and then they would come to John and participate in his baptism of repentance. And so that leads us to our text today, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Here's what we find. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? So in these five verses, we read of the baptism of Jesus, the Son of God. Verse 13 is one of those verses in the Bible that's very easy to read over and kind of fail to fully appreciate it. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. What we may fail to realize as we read this is that the trip Jesus made from where he was to where John was doing the baptizing was about a five-day trip. And that's if you were up to walking 15 miles a day. So it was uh, roughly a 75-mile trip that Jesus makes by foot in order to be baptized by John. This wasn't just a little, hey, there's a baptism down at the end of the street, so I'll just mosey on down there, and I guess I'll go ahead and participate. It wasn't like that uh, at all. This was something that had to be thought out. This was something that had to be uh, planned. Uh, traveling uh, like this in that day and time, much different than traveling here in the United States in the year 2017. Um, People who traveled like this had to be on the constant lookout for bandits that might attack them during lonely stretches of the trip. I'm told that if these bandits were unlucky enough to be caught, they were often quickly tried and executed, and their bodies were left along the roadways as deterrents uh, to the other bandits. Of course, crucifixion was a common means of execution, and so it would not have been uh, unusual uh, for people traveling a road like this to see the roadway uh, lined with crosses. Sometimes they would be empty, sometimes they were being used... Uh, But but they were there to serve as a deterrent. These were not uh, the most genteel of times. These were difficult times. This was a a bloody and brutal time in history. In addition to all of this, one who made a journey such as this would have had to be on the lookout for wild beasts. The hills and the caves along the roadways would be filled with lions and bears that were known to ambush lonely Travelers. It's likely that Jesus would have been traveling alone as he had not yet called uh, his disciples. Jesus making such a long journey to be baptized lets us know that Jesus was placing significance on his baptism. It lets us know that Jesus considered what he was doing to be important enough to go to all of this trouble. It lets us know that this is an important event. Another thing that lets us know that this is an important event is that it is recorded in all four Gospels uh, in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record the baptism of Jesus. Now, something only has to appear in the Bible one time to be important, but when it shows up over and over again, when all four Gospels tell us of this event, it lets us know that this is an important event. Once Jesus made the long journey and presented himself to John to be baptized, we're told that John objected to baptizing Jesus. Verse 14. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Remember that John knew his role. He knew that he was preparing the way for the Messiah. In his preaching, he would often announce that there was one coming after him who was greater than him. The Gospel of John tells us that uh, when Jesus came to be baptized, that John the Baptist looked at him and he proclaimed to the crowd, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew that his preaching was meant to prepare the way for the one greater than him, for Jesus And so it did not compute with him that Jesus would come to be baptized by him. You see, Jesus was sinless. He's the one who took away sin, not the one needing a baptism of repentance. And so it's understandable why John would have been perplexed by this. But Jesus insisted on being baptized by John. He says in verse 15, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus doesn't permit John to decline the baptism. But he does explain to John why it's okay for him to go ahead and baptize Jesus. He he explains why it is that Jesus wants this to happen. It is proper to fulfill all righteousness, Jesus said. There are all kinds of thoughts that people give as to exactly why Jesus wanted to be baptized that expand on this simple statement that Jesus made. But, but my own view is that Jesus said exactly what he meant and, and that we really should just accept the statement at face value. He wanted to be baptized because it's good to fulfill all righteousness. Anything that is good to do, anything that is, is right and pleasing to God is something that is good to do and that we ought to do. And so we're told that after Jesus explained this to John, then John consented. John knew who Jesus was. He knew who he was. And he knew that his role was to consent to what Jesus wanted. That's a really good sermon right there. It really is. That's a good sermon. It's important to know who Jesus is. It's important to know who we are. And it's important to know who has the consenting role in the relationship. We do. We do. We consent to Jesus. So Jesus is then baptized. And we find that one of the things that happened with the baptism of Jesus is that the Holy Spirit affirmed Jesus. Verses 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. Now, Jesus knew who he was I mean as early as 12 we find him telling his family that hey I have to be about my father's business Jesus knew who he was he knew what he was here for nevertheless in his baptism he is affirmed by the father Heaven was open before him. The spirit descended like a dove and alighted on him. And then this voice from heaven, the voice of the father announces, this is my son. I love him and I am well pleased with him. Matthew Henry tells us that through Jesus' baptism and these events that transpired at his baptism, that God was encouraging Christ to go forward With his mission. He was encouraging Jesus in the undertaking that was before him. God was affirming Jesus to Jesus. He was affirming Jesus to John. And he was affirming Jesus to all who witnessed this event. His baptism was Jesus' public inauguration, it was God's affirmation of Jesus. God speaks in a way to claim Jesus as his own. This is my beloved Son. What a wonderful affirmation. So the Holy Spirit and God the Father affirm Jesus through his baptism. This is the story. Now, I've said throughout this uh, series that I, I recognize the limits of my own storytelling ability, but, but you can do a little work on this. So kind of think through this scenario. Think through this story in your mind's eye. Imagine the 75-mile journey. Imagine in your mind's eye Jesus arriving where John is baptizing and announcing that he wants to be baptized. Imagine the scene of John feeling unworthy and saying, oh no, I'd rather not do that. Imagine Jesus insisting. Imagine the actual baptism. And then imagine the scene of the Holy Spirit showing up in this dramatic way and affirming Jesus. And if you can get any kind of a picture of that story in your mind, you know this is an amazing story. It is yet another biblical story that has no trouble at all meeting the definition of epic. It's an epic story. I think there are some really important things for us to learn about baptism, our own baptism, from this story of Jesus' baptism. And so, as we lead up to these five baptisms today, I want to highlight four things that I think we learn from the baptism of Jesus, the Son of God. The first thing we learn from this story is that there is a connection between baptism and humility. I've called today's message, The Baptism of Jesus, the Son of God, to emphasize how incredible it is that Jesus was baptized. Remember that John's was a baptism of repentance, and Jesus had nothing to repent of. Nothing didn't need to repent he was the son of God he was and is one with the father Jesus was and is God it's it's no wonder John was hesitant to baptize him knowing who Jesus was knowing who he himself was John understood that it wasn't Jesus who needed to be baptized by him it was him who needed to be baptized by Jesus and so he's like yeah this doesn't make sense. Why, why would I do that? Why is this the way this would work? And yet Jesus insists on being baptized. It, it reminds me of what Philippians 2 tells us about Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus' own baptism foreshadows our baptism where we identify with Christ in his death and resurrection. Jesus, the son of God, humbled himself. He practiced humility. His baptism is an instance Of Jesus practicing humility. Baptism was not necessary for Jesus, but in humility, Jesus desired to be baptized. And so we see the humility of Jesus in the story. And we also see the humility of John. He knew he wasn't worthy to baptize Jesus, he understood that, he was humble enough. With all of his notoriety, remember that, that John is pretty well known right now. He's, he's like kind of a big deal. He, he has a large following of people and now get this ego trip. The son of God has come and said, I want you to baptize me. I mean, imagine what that would do. Hey, like this is the coolest baptism I've done yet. I'm baptizing the son of God. He wants me to baptize him. Like that would send you on an ego trip. And yet with all of this, he is humble enough to recognize that he's the one who has the need of being baptized by Jesus. And so this event demonstrates both the humility of Jesus and the humility of John. Humility and baptism are closely connected with each other. They are. Humility is necessary for someone to come to the decision of being baptized. For every reason there is to be baptized, it requires humility for the person to accept it. It does. Here's a reason to be baptized. There really doesn't need to be any other reason than this one. Jesus said to obedience to Jesus requires humility now look in spite of my best efforts to explain all of the benefits of baptism all of the reasons why a person ought to be baptized a person could still say you know I I still, I, I hear all that. I get what you're saying. I still don't understand why Jesus cares so much about it. The person might still question, I still don't understand. Why, why is it? We ha- it's so important to be baptized. I mean, like pretty much every evangelical on the planet tells me I don't have to be baptized to be saved anyway. Why, why is it so important? You might wrestle with why Jesus cares enough about it to make it a central part of what the church is supposed to be doing until he returns. I don't get it. Why did Jesus make that part of the Great Commission? You you, you might ask that question. But here's the reality. He did. He did. And, And so we might wrestle with all of that. Why does Jesus consider this so important? But he does. And so baptism requires us to humbly say, well, you know what? I might not completely understand why this is so important to Jesus. But it is. And so I want to be obedient to Jesus. Here's a reason to be baptized. To publicly identify yourself as a Christian. This has been one of the main understandings. And one of the main functions of baptism throughout church history. You say, well, Brian, listen. I am just not very comfortable getting up in front of people. And as someone who gets up in front of people every week, I understand your concern. Sometimes it's tough. I especially don't like to get up in front of people and getting all wet. My hair does not look good wet. I feel your pain there too. I your my hair doesn't look good wet either. The whole thing is just very uncomfortable for me, Brian. Okay, I understand that. But baptism is meant to be a public profession of your faith in Jesus. And what we're seeing in our text today is that there is a connection between baptism and humility. And so even if the idea of a public baptism makes a person uncomfortable... Humility causes us to endure a little discomfort for the greater good of publicly identifying with Jesus. I will not say that this is always true, this thing that I'm about to say, but it is often true. Sometimes when we say, I'm too shy to do that, the truth is actually, I'm too proud to do that. There is a connection between humility and baptism. Pride can be a real obstacle to getting baptized. And I say this respectfully, but if you're choosing not to be baptized because it makes you uncomfortable or you feel like you would be too embarrassed, I think you need to question that. I can't make this judgment for you. You have to evaluate yourself. But I think you need to at least question if perhaps you might have a pride problem. Because there are good reasons to be baptized. But it does, they all, require humility. And here's something that's true of people whose lives are marked by humility. They recognize that they have need of more of God. And no matter how much and how good of an experience of God they have, they have a desire for more of God. In my years of being a Christian, one of the things I have seen over and over again, uh, it, it just is true. That it is those who are the most full of God's spirit who are the people who most recognize how much more of God's spirit they need it's a it's a very interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing. Those full of God's spirit recognize they need more. They're not satisfied with their current experience of God. They want more of God. Here's one of the most pervasive arguments against baptism. I already mentioned it. Well, since baptism itself doesn't save you, it's really not necessary. But this argument totally misses almost everything that's important about baptism. And it's actually only true in the most technical sense in that baptism does not justify you before God. But obedience to Jesus is important and necessary. Publicly identifying with Jesus is important and necessary symbolically bearing the old person you used to be and symbolically rising as a new creation in Jesus Christ, these symbolic acts can have powerful spiritual impact on your life, which makes them both important and necessary. The person full of God's spirit is not concerned with what they have to do, The person full of God's spirit wants everything that God has for them, recognizes that they need more of God than what they currently have, recognizes that they need every encounter with God that they can get, every empowering of the Holy Spirit that they can get, every spiritual advantage that they can get, they want it. They aren't satisfied with just enough to be saved. They want all that God has for them. And and, and that leads us to the next point. The second thing we learned from the story of the baptism of Jesus is that nothing good and beneficial should be left undone. Nothing good and beneficial should be left undone. Remember again that Jesus did not need to be baptized. He was the perfect son of God, morally perfect, completely sinless God. Jesus chose to be baptized in order to, in his own words, fulfill all righteousness. Christians aren't people who say, what's the bare minimum I can do and still be saved? What's the least that I can get away with and be right with God? Jesus wanted to do everything that was good to do. He wanted to do everything that fulfills righteousness. One of the reasons the Bible knows nothing about an unbaptized Christian is because Christians are supposed to be people who, like their Savior, want to fulfill all righteousness. If there is anything that might even be a little teeny tiny bit spiritually beneficial, I'm in. I want it. That's to be the attitude of the Christian. What's that you say? Baptism is a biblically endorsed way to publicly identify with Jesus? Awesome. Can I get baptized today? That's the attitude of the Christian. What's that you say? Jesus commanded baptism? Well, I know Jesus well enough to know he wouldn't command anything that's not beneficial for me. So can I get baptized today? What's that you say? Baptism can reinforce the spiritual reality that the old person I was before coming to Christ is dead and buried. And baptism can reinforce the spiritual reality that I'm a new creation in Christ. Like there is spiritual power in baptism that can actually help me to feel like the person that God has declared me to be. Count me in. I want that. I don't know if I'm convincing any of you but I'm so convinced about all this, so excited about it, I kind of want to get rebaptized. <laughs> From the baptism of Jesus, the Son of God, we learn that nothing good and beneficial should be left undone. Baptism is proper to fulfill all righteousness. And here's the third thing we learned. Baptism is important enough that it should be intentionally pursued. Jesus traveled 75 miles to be baptized. Throughout the New Testament church, the early church was intentional about baptism. When someone came to faith in Jesus, you can check it out both in the New Testament and by reading about early church history. When someone came to faith in Christ, the very next thing that would happen is that they would get baptized. In in fact, we're kind of loosey-goosey with the way we do baptism because the way it happened in the New Testament is you got saved, and the very next words out of someone's mouth was, okay, so then let's baptize you. That's how it worked. That's how it worked. Now, because some Pentecostal denominations have inaccurately reduced it to a salvational formula, sometimes Acts 2.38 doesn't get the treatment it should within evangelical churches. But it is not an insignificant thing that the very first people who heard the first gospel message on the day of Pentecost and asked Peter, so now what should we do? The answer was, repent and be baptized. And from there, the early church went around baptizing everyone that came to faith in Jesus. So now let's review, boys and girls. Jesus made baptism a central component of the mission he left the church. So he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, and he gathers his disciples around. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do while I'm gone. I want you to baptize people. He said a few more things, but that, that was a part of it. I want you to baptize people. It is central to the mission of the church. Peter preaches the first sermon in the church era, and it includes get baptized. And then the early church went around baptizing everyone who came to faith in Jesus. I think it's important. Uh, Brian, it's just an outward side of an inward act. Stop it stop it it's important having faith in Jesus but refusing baptism wasn't something that would have even computed with the early Christians what what you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized oh come on over here let's baptize you (laughs) baptism is a big deal It's important, and as such, it should be intentionally pursued. Oh, I'll get around to it some year. Yeah, you know, if the fancy ever strikes, I might do it. That's not to be our attitude toward baptism. It's beneficial, it's important, and so it should be intentionally pursued. By the way, uh, middle school class, I'm not near as far along as you might have thought. So if you guys want to take seats, you're welcome to. You don't have to, but you're welcome to. (laughs) All right. So here's the fourth thing we learn about the baptism of Jesus. It's an important thing. God uses baptism to affirm our identity. Identity. God uses baptism to affirm our identity. Now note again what happened when Jesus was baptized. Heaven opened, the spirit descended and rested on Jesus, and God himself spoke these words over Jesus. This is my son, I love him, and I am well pleased with him. God affirms the identity of Jesus. God affirms that Jesus is his son. God speaks of his love for Jesus. God speaks of how pleased he is with Jesus. In baptism, God affirmed Jesus' identity. And when we are baptized, part of what happens is that God uses the baptism to affirm our identity in him. Baptism affirms who we're Not. When we go down under the water, we are symbolically burying the person we used to be. It emphasizes to us, it drives deep into our spirit the reality that we are not that person anymore. The person who was dead in their trespasses and sins, that person no longer exists. The person who was an enemy of God, that person no longer exists. The person who was condemned before a holy God and headed to eternity apart from God, that person no longer exists. They died and they've been buried. Baptism affirms who you aren't. You are not the person you used to be. And then baptism affirms who we are. It affirms who you are. As we arise from the waters of baptism, we arise as new creations in Christ. I understand that that actually happened to the moment we placed our faith in Jesus. I, I get that. But baptism symbolically represents it. it, it provides a physical representation of a spiritual reality that serves to reinforce the reality. That we are new. Baptism affirms who we are. This was the primary understanding the early church had about baptism. That baptism signified a change in identity and a change in allegiance. When one left the waters of baptism, they entered into a life of spiritual transformation through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Baptism affirms your identity in Christ in a way that is impactful like nothing else can be because it is part of the very purpose of baptism. So listen, I know that there are quite a few people who are a part of our church family who have not taken the step of being baptized since coming to faith in Jesus. My intention today is not to single anyone out. I faced a little temptation in that area, but I have, I have resisted the temptation. So, my intention isn't to single anyone out. But as a group, I want to appeal to those of you who have faith in Jesus, but you have not been baptized. You need to be baptized. You do. And I hope that somehow God will use what I've shared today to move you toward the decision of getting baptized. It is important to be obedient to Jesus in everything that he reveals to you. It's spiritually beneficial to be baptized. Through it, God affirms your identity in him. And because of these things and others we could share, it it deserves to have you take it seriously and it deserves to have you intentionally pursue it. Nothing good and beneficial should be left undone. And so I hope that you'll choose to be baptized at our next baptism. In fact, at the conclusion of my message, we're going to sing a song or so before we baptize others. And if you want to get baptized, come on up. I'll walk you through the baptism class in about 45 seconds. (laughs) The other people might feel a little cheated that they had a half hour class, but we'll walk you through in 45 seconds and we'll baptize you. We'll baptize you. But if I can't persuade you to do that, at minimum, at our next baptism, you should be baptized. And for those who are being baptized today... I want to commend you for your decision. (laughs) Amen. I commend you for taking this step of obedience. I I commend you for pressing past any discomfort you have and choosing to publicly identify with Jesus. I commend you for intentionally pursuing baptism. And here's the appeal that I have for those of you who are getting baptized today. Let your baptism be all that God wants it to be. And here's how that happens. That happens by you being fully present in the moment of your baptism and completely thoughtful about what is actually happening in your baptism. You know, there are a lot of internet videos going around of just silliness related to baptism. Baptism. You know, like doing a cannonball into the baptistry and, you know, stuff like that. And it's funny and we laugh at it and whatever. But you know what? If someone cannonballs into the baptistry, just, just can I be honest a second? Yes, yes I can. So um, <laughs> if, if someone cannonballs into the baptistry, they had no business getting baptized. Because they don't understand what's going on. They do not understand what's going on. And honestly, if you just treat it as a ritual, you probably shouldn't have been baptized either because you're not understanding the impact it can have for you. You just shouldn't have bothered. The way that you benefit from baptism is you understand what it is and you fully appreciate what it is in the moment that you're doing it. And so I appeal to those of you being baptized, think specifically about the meaning of baptism as you enter the water, as you go under the water. And as you arise from the water. When you're going into the water, you should be thinking things like this. I am publicly acknowledging my faith in Jesus. I'm doing something that's really pleasing to God right now. Like I am, I am going public with the fact that I've received Christ. You should be thinking things like this. This is a great thought. I am just about to bury the old person that I used to be. You know, like any lingering condemnation you feel from things you've done in the past, as you're going into the water, you're thinking, like, I'm just about to be separated from all that. I'm going to leave that person at the bottom of the tank. I don't have to bring that person back up with me. I'm going to bury them and let them stay buried. I'm not responsible for any of that garbage from my past. Again, as you're taken under the water, you allow yourself to think, the old me, the old me, it's buried, it's buried. And then when you're brought back up, as you're rising up out of the water, you allow yourself to realize, I am rising as a new creation in Jesus. The old is gone. It's all new now. It's all new. I'm a new person. And when you come up out of the water, while it may not be an audible voice like occurred with Jesus. In fact, I'm reasonably certain it will not be. <laughs> it, it might be. Maybe you'll experience that. But statistics tell us you're, you're probably not going to experience that. But I believe that God will speak to you in a way that is very clear and very undeniable. I believe that God will absolutely impress up on your spirit... You are my child. I love you. I'm pleased with you. You belong to me. And I claim you as my own. That's what baptism is about. That's what baptism is about. And that's why it is sad that so much of the evangelical church treats it as a take it or leave it proposition. There is so much good in baptism. What a great day and what a great reality. I have one more appeal that I want to make before we uh, actually move forward with the baptisms. I want to appeal to all of you who have already been baptized. As we celebrate the baptism of our brothers and sisters today and and I do want you in the moment they're being baptized to be fully present with their baptism but I also want you today uh, in these next few minutes or maybe after their baptisms I want you to allow your mind to travel back to your own baptism And, and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to affirm these things to you again As you reflect on your own baptism, I pray that you'll hear the Holy Spirit say to you again, you are my child. I love you. I'm pleased with you. You belong to me. And after all of these years, however long it's been since you were baptized, after all of these years, I still claim you as my own. I hope that every single person here today hears the Holy Spirit say that. We belong to him. That's our identity. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand.